0: Comics,
1: movies, music,
0: video games, technology,
1: Blu-ray, television. This
0: is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. The moon with the rebel base will be in range in 30 minutes, 30 minutes.
1: Every time Catherine wrapped up the microwave, I'd piss my pants and forget who I was for a half hour or so. It's 30 minutes away. I'll be there in ten. I'll be there in
2: ten.
1: Is this a five-minute argument or a full half hour? You have
0: 30 minutes to move your car. Move your car. You have 30 minutes to move your cube. Your cube. You are listening to a half hour wasted. Giving the unemployed something to listen to.
1: half hour wasted episode 486 and i'm one of your co-hosts frank the simpsons rencon
0: and i'm uh, bill wizards of waverly place the voice
2: i am brad high school musical the musical the series milo hey.
0: Man, that, that's a winner right there that's a winner <laughs>
1: Mm. Uh, all, all of these are Disney Plus programs you can find on there, and we did it this way because we're continuing to talk about this, the Disney Plus uh, uh, format specifically, the Mandalorian. We're talking about
0: seasons three through seven of Wizards of Waverly Place today, right? <laughs> no, we're I've been researching. Be on, Bill. I've been researching all week. Did I did I read that email wrong?
2: Somehow my children. Well, you know what? When I was about the time these High School Musical movies came around, I wasn't. Living with them at the time because of divorce and things like that, but uh, they may know this. But my boss, Chris, my longtime friend, uh, he's got kids, is uh, still in high school, and um, they were big time high school musical uh fans. And he knows all these movies back to back, so every once in a while at work, I'll hear him singing. <laughs> and it's ninety nine percent of the time it's one of the songs from any of the three high school musical movies.
0: <laughs> poor son of a
1: gun. I'd hate to live inside his head.
2: Well, he likes them. He's self had he has admitted that he that he likes them.
1: All right, uh, let's okay. you know, that that's fine. It's just not in our Bailey way, you know.
0: It's not not really my wheelhouse. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So uh Brad, what episode do we leave off on? I've got a cough drop in, by the way, so if you hear a little Kind of moistness. Yeah. That's just me swishing around. Okay, picking up with Mandalorian chapter three, entitled "The Sin." I'm
0: still trying to figure out why you use that word, moist.
2: Moist. Is that your favorite word ever?
0: It's my. It may be my least favorite word. I know that's a cop out, but uh, um, actually, my least favorite word is heiny. But uh, but moist is right up there.
1: I enjoy moist cake.
2: I'm gonna be. Uh, yeah. My name is Brad Milo. I'm here with your AMSR. Podcast. <laughs> All right, here we go. Uh, chapter three, entitled The With Sin. No further ado. Yeah. Chapter three, The Sin, <laughs> directed by Deborah Chow, written by Jon Favreau. Here's the synopsis. The Mandalorian delivers the child to the client on Navarro and collects the bounty of 20 bars of Beskar steel. Uncharacteristically... The Mandalorian asks about the client's plan for the child, but it is told that it's none of his concern. That is none of your concern. He leaves before the conflict arises. Returning to the Mandalorian Enclave, the Mandalorian has his damaged armor replaced and weapons upgraded by the Armorer, who forges a full cuirass from most of the Beskar steel. I looked up the word cuirass on Wikipedia. It is a piece of armor that is formed from a single... Or multiple pieces of metal, which covers the torso. So the the okay, um yes. the uh, the thing that the, yeah the breastplate yeah. Okay, let me back to back to the description. While the remainder goes to support Mandalorian foundling children, the Mandalorian accepts a new job from Grief Karga and prepares his ship to depart. Feeling guilty for abandoning the child to the Empire, he turns back to the attack the client's base. remind me to to comment on that very scene in just a little bit fellas killing most of the stormtroopers guarding it he rescued the child from the dr pershing's laboratory where it was being experimented on but chooses not to kill the doctor on the way back to his ship the mandalorian is ambushed by other bounty hunters and grief cargo who demand that he hand over the child he refuses and a firefight breaks out outnumbered and concerned the Mandalorian is able to escape only when other Mandalorians arrive from the enclave, attacking the bounty hunters and allowing him to reach his ship with the child. This is a fantastic episode.
1: Uh, that ending is a uh, 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 spine chilling when, when the rest of the uh, Mandalorians pop out of nowhere, this is especially, the way. yeah, especially the one that was uh, giving Mando a hard time earlier in the series. You know who
2: did the voice of that guy?
1: Uh, I think I do, but you go ahead. John
2: Favreau. Yeah, John. He oh. was the, he was the heavy uh, armor, uh, uh, Mandalorian, the guy with the big gun, and that was uh, that. Apparently, that was John Favreau's voice. Um, so we learned a lot of interesting things in this episode. We learned that there are many, many Mandalorians still alive. They are currently in hiding. Um, in this particular place, they are hiding under the city. Um. And oh, I forgot. There was something else in my head I was gonna mention, but I forget. But that's I, that's I, two uh, of the big what, ones. Oh, and the 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 uh, armorer is a female Mandalorian. Um, which we saw a lot of female Mandalorians in the Clone Wars animated series.
1: Uh, and there's one in Rebels too. Um, Brad. Yes. I, I did want to bring up uh, the container that keeps that keeps the best car see, uh, steel
2: in. Thank you, thank you, thank you for bringing that up because I had forgotten about that. did Did that look? Uh, did that um, device that was holding all the best car steel listeners? Did that look familiar to you? Well, it should have for a couple of reasons. Tell us about it, Frank.
1: Well, uh, it may it was made famous in. The Empire Strikes Back, where one character who I think is known as the ice cream guy, uh, what's his name,
2: Brad, the ice cream machine guy? I don't know that. I think that character has actually been named in Star yeah, Wars lore. Yeah, he has lore. a
1: backstory. He has a backstory. <laughs> yeah, but uh, in one of the scenes when um when the when Cloud City is being evacuated, one character is running through it holding a prop, which is made to look like a. Uh, a, some type of computer container, but it is very obviously an ice cream machine, an ice cream an ice maker, cream
2: machine, an yeah. ice cream maker. I grew it, up it, with one of those. We made ice cream all the time on the back porch, you know? Yeah. And as and, an adult, uh, after the, after seeing that movie as an adult, you know, after having not seen it for several years, once um, I was like, is that an ice cream maker? Cause yeah. I had never really noticed it. It picked up on that as a child. And
1: uh, it became a meme in itself, and, and the character itself became somewhat of a jerk, but uh, not uh, not jerk, a joke. And, uh, uh, you know, over the couple of years, they have given that character a backstory and what he was actually doing and what was in the container. And it's just funny that Jon Favreau went ahead and made it part of Star Wars lore and that the device actually has a purpose now, or the container actually has a purpose.
2: Yeah, that was great that they brought that back in and made it uh, actually something that was important and not a joke anymore.
1: Yeah. Uh, dur- during uh, during Phantom Menace, there, there was a similar situation where uh, Qui-Gon uh, Jin, that radio he was holding, was actually like a lady chick that had just been kind of painted over. And that caught, that caught yeah. a little bit uh, uh, of heat, but not as much as the ice cream maker,
2: right? So, so um, I really liked the the armorer and her little workshop. You know, and the steel melting and making a a big, you know, a new uh, sh- a suit of armor for this cat. I thought it was really, really cool. Ah, uh, very
1: dramatic, and the way the lighting is used, and just the way it's it's visually told with the music, it's so good. You can see how important this seal is to their culture,
2: yeah, yeah. I thought it was I thought it was really neat. I really liked learning even very little, but learning more about the the Mandalorian, and I believe was it this episode? No, it was later on. Uh, when we learned that the Mandalorian is not a race, it's just a way of life. It's a you know, creed. It's a re- it, yeah, it's a religion. It's a it's, it's way. a belief. It, this yeah, is it, the way. This is the way. I thought that was cool. Um, this, I mentioned a
0: mantra that we had never heard, I think, uh, before the series. And no, uh, not at all. Uh, tell me that you don't. Uh, that you're not hopping down the uh, um, the corridor at work, and and you come upon a task, and you think to yourself. This is the way.
2: Yeah, well, I'll talk I mean, with Chris you know, every do, once in a while. Do that,
0: I do that at least weekly, if not daily. This is I'll, the way. I'll
2: end conversations with my boss by saying, "I have spoken." <laughs> um, if I had someone to talk to, I would probably use that.
1: As well. <laughs> oh,
0: Frank! No, it's. It, oh, it,
1: I mean, uh, I mean that from a work standpoint. You know, uh, uh, I've been working from home and will be for the next till June thirtieth, guys. Wow! Oh my goodness. Hey, I uh, just, uh, just read uh, today that uh, Google employees aren't uh, expected to go back until the end
0: of the year. So, wow. wow. So be glad. Uh, be glad you're going to go back to your office at some point.
2: I'm pretty sure this is the episode where, I mean, I know it is. So at this point before this, you know, the, the child is curious or whatever. He reaches up and tries to grab the big chrome ball that's <laughs> on the end of one of those levers and the... Mando eventually unscrews it and gives it to him, and he's playing with it. So when he returns the child to uh, the um, client and goes and gets in his uh, Razor Crest is the name of his spaceship, he's flipping all these switches and he reaches over to to grab that ball, but the ball's not there. It's just the stick, you know. And then he reaches down and he sees the ball, and he's like, it stops and makes him think about the kid, and that's when he has a change of heart. He shuts the ship down, and he goes back to grab the kid. That is
1: such a sweet moment, and that is, that is good filmmaking because no words, all visual, mm-hmm. and you know exactly what he is feeling by his actions. Uh, that's just a brilliant moment.
0: This uh, episode worried me just a tiny little bit. Uh, I got over it very fast, uh, thanks to the rest of the episodes, but I thought to myself, what, one of my uh, big complaints uh, throughout uh, the modern history of television, um, starting with probably the next generation, is uh, 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 Worf spe- specifically, is you start out with a character with a lot of rough edges who, who might actually be a bad guy. And over the course of the series, you completely homogenize him or her, and you take away everything that uh that made them different and now all of a sudden it's just another member of the crew um you know in that way i was worried that they're going to take uh the mandalorian and they're going to turn him from uh, a guy who's who's actually mysterious at the beginning of the episode i mean he may be or the beginning of the series he may be a good guy maybe a bad guy he's definitely a bounty hunter we don't know anything about him so it was a truly blank slate but you're expecting this guy to be a bounty hunter and be kind of, you know, in the Star Wars universe, bounty hunters are not good guys uh, ever, uh, at least not that we've seen. And so you kind of expect this guy to be a little bit of a mercenary, you know, have a mercenary attitude about things. And, you know, the, the, the obvious care that he starts showing to the, uh, the baby Yoda, um, I thought could have been handled uh, and, and by a lot of other people probably would have been handled in a, in a much more uh, normal way and um, uh would have turned him into a quote good guy unquote um uh real quickly and i think that would have been a true disservice to this show the show it needs to keep his gray areas you
1: know? do you think uh, do you think that he uh, uh and this just occurred to me and i think i know what the answer is but do you mm-hmm. think that he went back to get baby Yoda because baby Yoda saved his life and that is a debt owed because he saved uh, the baby saved his life from the mud horn.
0: That's a really interesting thought. I think that must've had something to do with it. Um, The impression I got was probably the, the the, the audience wide impression that, that uh, he has just kind of realized that, you know, maybe it's not all about him. You know, that, that maybe there are other things in this universe that are worth protecting too. And, you know, it might not have been complete altruism, which again is one of the things that, that brought me back to the fact that now this guy's not, he's, he shades of gray. He's not, you know, he, this is not Gandalf the white here. You know, this is not Gandalf the gray turning to Gandalf the white. And now I'm just a total superhero forever and ever and uh, nothing can stop it. Um, I, I think that uh, we will continue to see shades of gray out of this guy. And I, I, I'm not asking for him to be a villain uh, by any means, but I just don't, you know, uh, Han Solo was much more interesting as a uh, as a dangerous rogue. Uh, and that's kind of what I wanted for this guy. I wanted them to keep his his path Um uh, infinite, basically. He he might he might do something selfish. He might do something good. He might do something evil. He might do something you know whatever. I just I don't want this guy boxed in too quickly. Uh, his character, especially since we barely know anything about this guy, you know, to this point. Um, so. The, the idea that that he's going to go in and all of a sudden his his superhero now is saving babies, uh, I didn't want that for this character. And, you know, that's not what we're getting. So it was cool. I, I, I just I thought that this episode yeah. started on that path and it made me a little bit worried that they might go down that path. And I'm glad to see that, that we were wrong. And I don't blame this episode in the context of the greater series. You know, you understand uh, what he does in this episode a lot more uh, than on November twenty second when we just sat down and watched this episode. You know, without any I, further you know, you know adventures think, to to frame it with.
1: I think he he was pretty established as a character on that on that first episode because he's we know he's about yeah, and we know that uh, you know he takes this job seriously. Uh, He's not afraid to get help from others like he did from that, from that one character, um, uh, the Nick Nolte character. And then in the end, when he ends up shooting uh, the IG unit, uh, he obviously, you know, he could have gotten the reward whether the baby was alive or dead. He didn't. He didn't. But uh, he chose, he chose to save the baby. So I think, I think in that first episode, he's really established as someone with, with the range. Yeah, I can buy
0: that. I, I I don't have an argument with that. Um, I you're you're absolutely right. They absolutely did uh they did a huge, a a huge giant leap of his character in that moment in the first episode. Um, uh, so yeah, I just, uh, I just thought it was cool. I just, it was one of those things where at at the time when I'm watching the third episode, I'm thinking, Oh God, they're not doing it. You know, they're not doing, they're not going to turn this guy into just a, you know, homogenous good guy. Are they? And I'm glad to see that that's not what, that's not what they were going for. And that's not where it ended up. So, uh, so I'm, I'm still very happy again.
2: The, uh, the character played by Jean Favreau, I stumbled across it. His name is, um, uh, uh, shoot. I just lost. Oh, here's Paz Vizla. So that heavy artillery with the mini gun Mandalorian, his mm-hmm. name is Paz or Paz Vizla. And, um, I, I, I hope we get to see him again. Uh, we do yeah. see him again later in the episode. I mean, in the, in the, in the season, we see him in the end, but, um, I'd like to see him come back. I think that's pretty cool. Um, let's talk about that scene at the very end where he's walking back to his ship with the child and then he gets ambushed by Grief Karga and a multitude of Guild Bounty Hunters. That uh, was that was a pretty exciting scene.
1: That was, uh, uh, if I had doubt whether he was going to make it uh, uh, out of the series, that, that this episode kind of put that doubt in my head because I was just like, there is no way he's getting out of this, uh, 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 albeit some type of
2: miracle. Of course,
1: that does happen. But, uh, you know, I was worried for, the, for him for a moment.
2: <laughs> yeah. I think we all, you know, we're old enough and we've watched enough TV and movies that whenever we're in a situation where we're thinking – there is no possible way that this character is going to get out of this situation that he's in right about the time we think that that's when in fact he gets out of that situation by something unexpected. Uh, Star Star Trek next
1: generation taught me that.
2: FYI. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Uh, the nice thing is that uh, that they earned that moment. It could so very easily have been the Deus Ex Machina. Uh, you, know, it, you know, it could have been so very easily the, uh, the 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 tired trope of "Oh my God, where did the uh, you know the the cavalry came over the hill at just the right moment uh, uh, with no provocation?" Uh, man, that timing was great. Um, you know, kind of the uh, the Captain Kirk thing. Where uh, yes, uh, Captain Kirk uh, does have a ninety nine luck in Dungeons and Dragons. So. Uh, mm-hmm. um, Nice to see that they uh, had at least established the fact that this could happen, even though, I don't know, were either of you guys expecting to see a a fleet of Mandalorians coming over the horizon to save the day?
2: I had no, you know, I did not expect that. Or, you know, earlier in the episode when when the Mandalorian goes to get his uh, armor made by, you know, bringing the Beskar back to the armorer. And Paz Vizsla, you know, is giving him grief is like, this is the guy who's been working with the Empire and the Empire is in, is why we're down here hiding below the city. You know, he he came across as somebody who would not be willing to help this guy who he thinks is responsible for the situation that he and all his people are in. Yeah. And yet this is the way they go and they do what they know they got to do and they mm-hmm. save him. And, and, you know, it was in that scene that, uh, I'm pretty sure it was in that scene. Maybe it was another episode, but the, no, 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 no. It was another episode where the armorer tells the Mandalorian that this child is now basically his child. You are the father of this child. That's, That's the that comes
1: last episode.
2: Yeah. That comes in a later episode, but, you know, there's some there's some uh, hint of that here, you know, because he's taken. No, he doesn't have the. Never mind. I'm going in circles. I'm thinking he's got the kid with him, but he doesn't. He's already returned it to the client. He goes and turns the Beskar steel over to get a new suit of armor. OK, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm crossing episodes in my head. I didn't mean to take us down that, but I'm, I've cleared it up now just by talking it talking about it out loud
0: kids that's called a tangent
2: <laughs> yeah okay stop stealing my, my thunder man <laughs> at least my tangent was only one-fifth the length of yours i
1: wouldn't that's say a it's a, really it's a tangent point, it's a uh, um uh it was like a maze because you were still in the area of mandalore You <laughs> right. we were just like taking a
2: wrong uh route right. anyway <laughs> that was a that was a good episode it's pretty simple you know he returns oh. the kid. He gets new armor. He has a change of heart. He goes and rescues the kid. He fights his way off planet. That's pretty much all that episode was.
1: And and we're asked so a little bit about what the Empire wants with this kid. No answers, of course. Right. But he, uh, I think if you, if you dig a little deep, you can find out that that doctor uh, who actually maybe wanted the best for this baby is actually a former cloner. So it sounds like maybe they want to uh you get the idea that maybe this baby they want to clone this baby so they can have a uh, an army of uh of jedis on their side that, that, maybe so i never thought yeah. of that and the only reason we know he's a cloner is that people with sharp eyes on the internet uh, identified his uniform as from Kamino which is where the the cloners lived
2: interesting oh okay
1: that, that yeah. no, I, I didn't discover that so people on the internet did
2: you know we so haven't I'm, mentioned once in this discussion is the music the soundtrack the score of this tv show i feel it is just brilliant i would love to find like the mp3s of, of the soundtrack to these episodes and just listen i love like the main mandalorian theme is it's just i just love it powerful I love the music.
1: and very un
2: Star wars like yeah and it has that kind of a it's yeah. kind of got that that feel to it on occasion to me, which is which is pretty cool. I like it.
0: Um, so uh, your music uh, done by Ludwig Göransson, uh, who is Swedish. Um, you might uh, know his music from uh, Fruitvale Station,
2: Creed um, One Frank.
0: and Two, and Venom. And also for his work on some movie that came out in 2018 called Black Panther. Hmm. He's also known for his work on uh, Community, Happy Endings, New Girl, and The Mandalorian. Um, as a producer, I think it's this is really interesting. Uh, he has frequently collaborated with uh, uh, Donald Glover, i.e. Childish Gambino. And he produced uh, the albums Camp, Because of the Internet, and Awaken My Love. Um, he produced uh, "This Is America," um, uh, Childish Gambino's hit hit song. Uh, um, so really weird, man. Uh, this is a this is kind of a renaissance man. This is not a guy who only does classical music or only does this or only does that. I mean, geez, I mean look at that. Uh, you know, Black Panther, Creed, Venom, uh, <laughs> you know, Childish Gambino. Holy cow, um, not bad. Um, uh, not bad if you can get it. Yeah, he's on uh, uh, he's on uh, uh, Rock Nation. <laughs> By the way, Ludwig Emil Tomas Goransson, uh, good man. And you're right wow. though the music is the music is fantastic. The music is just amazing.
2: Uh, that was awesome, Bill. Everything I didn't know that I wanted to know about Ludwig Goransson. <laughs> That's pretty it only, amazing.
0: It only took like uh, four, four and a half, five minutes.
2: So. <laughs> um, I don't my, know if
1: that was sarcasm or not. Uh,
2: but I don't it, know either. It made man. me laugh. We will never know. <laughs> uh, I like the way this episode ends with uh, the Mando and the child escaping, and the big armor Vizsla. I think it's Paz It might not be another Mando flying next to him with his jet pack, and he ta- he salutes him, takes off, and the Mando says, "I've got to get me one of these."
1: So uh, this is just me, but I thought that was a little bit of an Iron Man nod.
2: Uh, Maybe it uh, might have been, <laughs> might have been, might have been. Yeah. Overall, really enjoyable episode. We get to learn a little bit about the Mandalorian lore and kind of what's going on in the, in the world, at in the, in the universe at the time. All right, let's move on to um, episode four.
0: Um, to, to bridge uh, episodes three and four, I'd like to throw a question your way. And this is coming from someone who has never sat through, and I've wanted to, I just never have sat through, uh, the animated shows. I've never sat, I've never sat through, um, you know, the Clone Wars. I've never sat through Rebels. I've never sat through Resistance. Uh, I certainly haven't seen the final episode of, uh, Rebels, uh, uh excuse me, uh, Clone Wars. And, um, uh, I, I was... Unaware that there was a, an enclave of Mandalorians left, I just—I guess I just didn't know. You know, are there any Mandalorians left? You know, as far as I know, going into this this series, it's like—is this guy the only Mandalorian? That was kind of the assumption I was working on. Um, you, know, you just no, kind of assume is... at this point: there's no Jedi, there's no Mandalorians, there's basically nothing left. And you know, to find out differently, I thought it was really interesting.
2: Well, we know. By watching this last season, well, the whole show of the the Clone Wars, animated Clone Wars, um, that Mandalore, you know, is still a, plant, a planet with plenty of Mandalorians, and there's some civil okay. war going on there. At the end of okay, so let's I'll just make it short. The last four episodes of the final season of the Clone Wars take place during Episode Three, "Revenge of oh, the wow. Sith." Okay, yes, we see episode 66 enacted in the, the next to the last episode of the clone Wars series. Oh, wow. Okay. And, uh, while Anakin and Obi-Wan are leaving to go rescue the chancellor who has been kidnapped okay. by Grievous, we see Ahsoka and a lot of the clone troopers that we have gotten to know over the last seven years of this TV show, go to, uh, the planet Mandalore and the, the siege of Mandalore is happening and there's some Darth Maul action involved there as well. So yes. Oh, cool. We, uh, and again, in the rebels series, which takes place just shortly before a new hope, we learned, It starts five years before, and yeah. it, you know it goes over the period of right up until like maybe a year before a new hope, maybe a few months before a new hope. So it takes place that way. Okay. Uh, we learn even more about the fate of the Mandalorians after the Siege of Mandalore, which we saw starting in um, the last season of the Clone Wars. So yeah, there we never did get um, an exact answer about what how many Mandalorians are left, but. We, that's touched on a little bit in the rebels TV show and then like you said you know we are learn even more now uh, in this in this uh, new series so chapter 4 sanctuary directed oddly enough by Bryce Dallas Howard I kind of thought that was a little strange that she directed this until I remembered she's Ron friggin Howard's daughter yeah. right, so that right. makes perfect sense
0: did you know um, I didn't did you notice uh, a, a a stylistic difference in this episode versus the first three. And of course only, this episode is a lot different than the first three.
2: Only due to the subject matter.
0: Okay.
2: Yeah, um, yeah I mean the, it wasn't this, a,
0: uh Bryce Dallas Howard is incompetent or Bryce Dallas Howard has amazing new ideas. Uh you know, No, I
2: think did, this No, I, I think I, this I mean, episode it, was directed very well.
1: Uh, very good. Yeah. It, it yeah. D- definitely a, a competent storytelling. Uh this wasn't my favorite story, but we'll get to the part that kind of bugged me a little bit, but let's, let's go ahead and do the description.
2: This episode okay. written by John Favreau. Frank, I think this this is probably my least favorite episode of the season as well. Yeah. I don't know that yeah. you qualified it that way, but I think I can. Yeah. Uh, arriving on the sparsely populated forest planet Sorgon, the Mandalorian encounters ex- rebel shock trooper turned mercenary Cara Dune, played by the wonderful Gina Carano, she could kick my ass anytime.
0: <laughs> no, she could.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm literally, literally, she, she, could. Oh, she
0: could. She could kick all three of our butts put yeah, together literally. anytime she wants. Let's, let's uh, make that clear.
2: <laughs> she's turned into quite the actress. Anyway, that's another discussion. I think she's following legit, a sh- yeah. Yeah, following a short brawl, Dune explains that she is hiding after taking, quote-unquote, early retirement and asked the Mandalorian to leave. Like, this planet is mine, basically, you know, both of us can't be here, type of thing. Right. While he prepares his ship, two desperate fishermen approach, offering to hire him to drive off a band of Klatunian raiders. And we've seen this race in the, in the other movies. He accepts the job in exchange for lodging, using their credits to enlist Dune's help. At the village, they are housed by Omera, a widowed mother. The Mandalorian confides in her that no one has seen him without his helmet since childhood, when his tribe took him in as an orphan. Despite discovering that the Raiders have an old Imperial ATST, the villagers refuse to leave, so the Mandalorian and Dune train them to defend themselves. They provoke the Raiders at night, with Dune luring the ATST into a trap for the Mandalorian to blow up and forcing the remaining Raiders to flee. With peace restored, the Mandalorian plans to leave the child in the village but a guild bounty hunter tracks it down and is killed by Dune. Realize that neither the village nor the child would be safe. The Mandalorian departs with the child. Um, yeah, this was, I didn't hate this episode, but I'd have to say it's probably my least favorite um, due to the quote unquote, and uh, even romance is a little strong of a, of a word here. And that coupled with the stereotypical we gotta teach these a bunch of dummies how to fight scene, that bug, bugged me as well.
1: Brad, uh, that was the scene that I was gonna reference.
2: Uh, yeah. It's just, we've yeah. seen it
1: before and, yeah. and um, uh, that's we've it. We've seen I, this,
2: this the story of this episode we've seen in countless countless other forms of media yep. in movies and TV shows. We've seen it. We've already seen this one, John.
1: <laughs> so uh, yeah. uh, that that being said uh uh yeah, it would be towards the bottom of, of my ranking, but uh overall, the series is tight, so it's just that thing where you, if you have to rank stuff, something has to go towards the bottom exactly that, uh, this would be it
0: this is um this is essentially uh, uh borrowing as they did uh, Lucas did throughout uh this is borrowing heavily. From uh, Akira Kurosawa's Seven Samurai, um, uh, it's a it's a group of uh, uh, farmers. They're poor. They're they're put upon by the the rulers of land, and they end up hiring uh, samurai to protect them from the bandits that they are positive are going to come and steal their food and and cause the village to starve. Um, and You've uh, like you said. You've seen this. This this is one of those old trope uh, stories, which may be one of the reasons why this is. I I think it's interesting. I have not. Um, I've I've not taken one second to try and say. Okay, I think episode seven was the best. Episode one was was the second best. I, I have not ranked the episodes in any way to this point. Just because I don't think it occurred to me to do so. Um, they they're they've all been different enough, considering the. Uh, considering the 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 nature of the story being basically one long uh one long episode um so yeah i just i never uh I, i never got there but yeah i totally get what you're saying about uh this being you know okay um uh you know good stuff but um uh, the seven samurai and of course the seven samurai, you know, became the dirty dozen and, you know, then star Wars came out and, you know, um, I don't know. I kind of, I think
1: magnificent seven,
0: magnificent seven. Thank you. Yes. Uh, yes, exactly right. Um, but, uh, uh, seven samurai came out in 1954. So, uh, uh, Filmmakers have had a long time to dissect and uh, and and create their own uh, versions of this story. And this uh, this week, uh, we get to see uh, John Favreau and Bryce Dallas Howard uh, uh, do that here in The Mandalorian. Um, uh, I, uh, I will say, you.
1: on uh, some of the high points of this particular episode, was just the small moments where Mando. Uh, you know, uh, we see him off camera, take off his helmet, and eat something, and we see him at at a different. We seem comfortable for the first
2: time in this series. I, I had a problem with that particular scene when he's standing right by the window and he takes <laughs> his helmet off. I mean, he's not like standing behind a one way mirror. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. If anybody right, turned just... and looked, they'd see this dude's face. Um, another small moment in this episode is my very favorite. Pretty sure it's this episode. My very favorite uh, baby Yoda moment when when they're flying and he's kind of sitting up next to him and he just kind of turns and starts pushing buttons, you know? And he's like, nah, don't do that. And then Yoda's just like looking at the bounty hunter, but he's reaching behind him slowly to push a button. Oh, it's just the best. And I must have cried and cried and cried and giggled so hard for about five minutes watching that over and over again. Yes, yeah, so if you ever been a
0: parent or ever been around a child. Exactly, uh, Bill. That, exactly. That scene has happened times.
2: Exactly. <laughs> that scene, and if and you're I lucky, told Ashley you remember this.
0: Doing it to your parents.
2: <laughs> I told Ashley this. That scene reminds me of the, when Ashley was like two years old. She was the yeah. hardest to get asleep. Oh you my. know, I'd finally get her asleep. I'd tiptoe out of her room. I'd sit down. On the couch, facing the TV, I'd hear something from behind me. I'd turn around, and she'd be standing there with this in her jammies <laughs> and holding her blanket, with this little grin on her face, like I'm still awake. So that whole yes. that whole scene reminded me of that feel. <laughs> um, you know, I didn't hate this episode, but like I said, we've seen it a lot before, and um, I mean, it's it you know, it was kind of well done, but it just this episode felt familiar to me. And so yeah. far, none of this show has felt familiar to me, and and you know, I rewatched this episode, but I didn't want to rewatch it, but I did anyway.
0: Oh my! Um, this is the first time uh, so far. We're only four episodes in, but good heavens, we're halfway through this this season. You know, to this point, uh, this is the first time you get what feels like a standalone episode. Uh,
2: I would yeah. agree with that. Yeah, for, for I would totally agree for. with that. This is yeah. the interlude.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's uh that's a great way to put it.
2: Uh you've I know. had
0: uh, you've had the foot to the uh to the accelerator for the first 3 episodes essentially and uh you you let off and you coast for uh for a little bit just to you know this it, is, it's a roller coaster. This is this is the dip in the roller coaster. Yeah.
2: This is the chapter in the middle of the book that's all printed in italics.
0: I guess this is actually <laughs> this is
2: You know what I mean? Before coaster. you get to the next episode yes. or the next chapter that's printed normally
0: well, so this is the i roller coaster where you've done the first half and then it's time to go back for the second half and so you're going back up the chicka, 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 you know what i mean right yeah. yeah you're just sitting there waiting okay we're about to go for another couple of tumbles again, and uh, we're uh, we're going to get there soon. Um, so uh, this just, is I the
2: halftime show at the Super Bowl.
0: <laughs> thank you, thank you. Well, we have finally solved this problem. Exactly I, I think I on. think
2: you could. I uh, just we, keep we, saying we, it to see how many times I can interrupt Frank. You go <laughs> next. Nice. Go ahead, Frank. Please talk. I
1: got, about I got um. <laughs> this is I think you can get away without watching this episode with the exception of the, uh, of the rebel sharpshooter uh, in it. But then again, if you were to take this episode out of the series and still introduce her when she is introduced towards the end, it would still work because he, because he refers to her as someone he had worked with in the past. Uh, So I think this episode you could take out and the, and the series still works well.
2: But another thing that this episode does is it, it continues to humanize this faceless man that we're getting to know. You know, you can tell he's... You can tell he's... I think near the end of the episode, it, it implies that they may have been there for a month or two. You know, they're all just kind of hanging out on the porch, watching Yoda play with... Baby Yoda play with the kids. You know, they're all just kind of chilling and relaxing. But it, this this episode kind of goes out of its way to... To try to humanize him a little bit,
1: uh, it would have been funny if there had been a line goes, "Well, it's been some month here, just relaxing, yeah. not worried about anything."
2: <laughs> the past five weeks have been quiet.
1: <laughs>
2: you know. Okay, so so when he's talking to the the girl and they're physically close to each other and she reaches up and tries to start taking his helmet off, you didn't for any. time, Seconds at all believe she was going to actually take his helmet off? Did you?
1: No. Uh, in fact, I, I was pretty certain after that. Th- I was pretty certain that that woman was going to die tragically in his arms at some point uh, during the episode. Uh, just because be a, it,
0: that would be a western for you, right there? Yeah, there because go, exactly. it,
1: because they were they were painting this like like faux uh, flirting and stuff like that, or that you know maybe her kid would die. I thought something tragic was going to happen.
2: I'm glad. That I bet you. I bet you any amount of money that in the original draft of this episode, she did die. But then they filmed this episode and they realized, wait a second, there's some chemistry going on here. So we should save this character for season two. Maybe he'll go back and we can revisit this relationship. Especially now, knowing, having seen season eight, that he's taken his mask off in front of people now. So maybe he won't hesitate to do it again. I mean, he didn't do it on purpose. He, They needed to take his mask off in season eight, but once it's done, maybe he's, maybe he'll have a change of heart or something. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: I, have got one question <clears throat> about the, the Mandalorian here and that question goes a little something like this. Um, so we find out in this episode that, uh, uh, that he has had the Mandalorian armor on since he was a child. And that, uh, if he takes the, if he takes his mask, if he takes his helmet off and is seen, by anybody else, he basically has just forfeited his future as as a Mandalorian. Yes. You now has
1: are, are, are Bill? Are you about to address helmet stink? Because yes, well, there, there will be a very heavy helmet stink. We all know that. Um, you don't need to. No, touch actually, on it. I,
0: it is. Assumed. I had to consider helmet stink, but I was wondering. So when he was like six years old, or whenever he put the helmet on for the first time, was it the helmet that he's wearing? You know. Uh, to this day, and if so, no. that, did that look? I mean, did they make him different helmets? No, I
2: mean, this is what. How, yeah, this is what happens. You get it. You think, get it.
0: Take it to a tailor, and you let it out a little bit. I mean, how does it, How exactly does that
2: work? When you're, how old do you think that kid was? When when they rescued him from the planet, when the Mandalorians oh, that's a, rescued? That's a, that's a great question. He I looked about. Been, he, I, I, think I was he was ten. Six. At the, yeah, I okay. think he. No, I no, I'm that. thinking ten was ten was a bit of a stretch. I'm thinking more like seven, eight, maybe. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. You know, so they're going to give him a helmet that fits, right? Because you know, and then when it starts to get too tight, he's starting to get headaches. He goes to the armor and says, "Hey, I'm starting to get those helmet headaches. You know that I've heard so much right. about. Right. Can right. you just- <laughs> can you can you stretch this out? Like you know, you take your ring to a jeweler and they they stretch yes. it out a bit." Yeah. He, um, but what if he, the uh, what if the Mandalorian
1: parents like they don't have a lot of money so you know you know how uh, some parents will buy clothes that are too big for their kids because ah I'll yeah. grow into it you know I'm Something sure they tells did. me
2: that they don't use money in the Mandalorian <laughs> so, culture. So I'm as far as as far as you know buying helmet I, uh, uh, armor, I think that's all just part of the gig.
0: I mean, basically, do they buy him like a, a helmet from Walmart and they tell him, look, when you stop growing, you'll get a decent helmet. Because that's what my parents told me when I wanted nice shoes when I was a kid, and oddly enough, that's what I told my children when they wanted really nice shoes as kids. It's like, you know, your feet stop growing. We'll consider getting you a nice pair, but until then, you could grow out of this thing in like, you know, like three months. So <laughs> that explains a lot,
2: Bill. But that a explains. Pair of shoes. That explains why your family looks like they just came out of the Ministry of Silly Walks. <laughs> is
1: yes. that why? Is that why Sage wears a size thirteen hush puppy? He's just kind they, of. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's it. (laughs) With
2: with eight pairs of socks?
0: they've (laughs) all got little Chinese feet. All their feet are about this big. People can't see me, but I'm holding my fingers not very very far apart. Incredible Um, foot stink, yeah. So, yeah, so, uh, so, you know, the helmet that he's wearing has clearly got a bunch of wear on it. And I just, I found myself uh, casually musing uh, while watching this episode Uh, um, how long has he had this literal, particular helmet on. Uh, probably since he was 14, 15, 16, when, he, uh, when his head achieved full adult size.
2: Well, you know uh, what's funny? You oh, know what's man. funny is that this question? Yeah. I just realized I've asked myself this question before when I saw Attack of the Clones, when Boba Fett picks up yeah. his dad's helmet and puts it on. I'm Or he doesn't put it on, maybe right away, but I'm sure eventually he'll put it on. And that's the helmet, you know. It's been repainted since. You know, he right. repainted it with the green and stuff. But yeah. when did it actually fit young Boba Fett, or did he did he put some, uh, some padding in it to make it fit? You know. Well, I interesting. Think, I Very think interesting. Young
1: young Boba, uh, he uh, he obviously did not grow up in the Mandalorian culture. Uh, I, I take it he he was kind of rogue. So he he. He had to kind of learn on his
2: own. Well, I bet you that his dad, Django taught him a lot about Mandalorian culture. I would be willing to bet that, because Django Fett was a actual Mandalore, Mandalorian.
1: Who didn't wear his know.
2: helmet, so he was a little
1: bit rogue.
0: Well, he didn't I wear mean, his helmet know what? on Amino, but did we ever see him not wear his helmet anywhere else? I mean, while but, in their little there, dormitory. No, but and,
1: he, 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 he did know during the big battle in front scene, of Obi-Wan. right before that happens, when he's with the insect people, he's holding the helmet off to his side. Okay, okay. Oh, okay. With Count Dooku and all them.
0: It's been a long time since so I've seen it. Yeah, you're right. I've Frank, that's, to very,
2: that's very good. Maybe some, uh, I don't know. That's very good. Maybe Django Fett was just an outsider. You know what? You know, it, it, he he broke like, the rules, much like Qui Gon. This is well, it. Django Fett was the Qui-Gon Jin of the Mandalorians. Yeah. Nice, I mean it's nice, just like
1: nice. it's like all religions. <laughs> there's some people episode. who
2: follow it to the T and there's some who's just
1: like, nah, I'm generally there. Like I wear my helmet seventy percent of the time.
2: Django Fett was right. the Bill McGonnell. Django Fett is to the Malorians as Bill McGonnell is to Half Hour Wasted. There you when go. He
0: talks a lot. I don't even get that
2: reference. <laughs> Where are you going, Bill? Bill well, all of a sudden just, has sorry. his mobile. He's moving sorry, around I'm, his, no, his there. house. I, I, I please, did, uh, please tell us you're not headed to the restroom.
0: No, I'm not Look. headed to the restroom. I, I, I'm headed to get... Uh, I wanted a Swiffer because I'm messing around on my desk, uh, my office desk, and I just moved uh, some... Uh, old drives that had how been thick up, is the dust? Fifteen, like quarter years. inch, and, you know, 16th, quarter inch? In but, Yeah, I just, I couldn't. I just, I'm sitting there looking at it. Just, I, don't want to, I don't want to deal with you know using my hands to clean this up. And uh, I didn't really mean to hijack the uh, the episode,
2: but no, no, no. It just uh, it was no, my fault good. for even bringing it up. I could have just ignored yeah, the fact a, that all of a sudden your Amazing. video feed was moving all over the place. Yes.
1: Yeah. yeah i mean i i uh uh, uh dur- during our down moments i have been kind of sorting through through mail Uh <laughs> this is the That's thing a about working uh, uh working from home and doing and teleconferencing is just like you tend to kind of wander a little bit uh even though you don't
2: mean to let's get back <laughs> into some of the specifics of the episode uh it was really cool seeing an atst walker that was kind of neat mm-hmm. i don't know how they got it there on that planet but You know, I've always wondered about, and this is okay, this is kind of a tangent, I just said let's talk about specifics, but you see this in all the Star Wars movies or even any sci-fi movie or TV show that has to do, Star Trek included, that has to do with a ship flying to the planet and they just happen to land right where they need to land. That's a big freaking globe. How do you know you're not landing on the wrong continent? You know, that's a
0: uh, great point that that's always seemed to be just a, an absolute matter of convenience that they just they're just gonna say you know what just just go with this on this yeah um, conversely you, you wonder when you see the episodes um uh and there are numerous you know way too many examples to list where the the land on a planet but they've got like a five mile walk into the village or whatever. It's like, what, what? But what? Why didn't you just sit down like over the hill or something? Why are you, you know? Because you're a lot farther away from your spaceship than you want to be. If something goes down, man.
2: Yeah, so uh, I, I uh, guess
0: the, that It works both ways.
1: the The rebel mercenary when she said this planet is taken on this episode, I kept thinking. I mean, just go to the other side of the planet, dude. <laughs>
2: exactly. That's That was my thought, too. Go to the other side. You yeah. know, yeah. Here's another side tangent. It's interesting doing these podcasts uh, over Skype with video because, you know, we can... And I guess it's not that interesting, <laughs> but... um <laughs> <laughs> like bread, that's about to come God. up. <laughs> yeah, now that I say that out loud, it, us being able to see each other over Skype is absolutely no different than us being able to see each other if we're in the same room. I was just picking up on a visual cue that Frank had. I just noticed when Frank's ready to say something, he'll lift his hand up into screen, and his thumb will touch his first two f- fingers of his hand, like he's getting ready to. To say something like I'm ready to chime in, which is very similar to either one of us waving or pointing at ourselves, like I'm next, I want to say something. Yeah, it has, it is zero percent different than actually being in the same room with you guys. Yeah, but I noticed Bill was in the middle of talking and Frank had been holding his hand up like that with his (laughs) thumb touching his forefingers for like a minute and a half. Like, oh my god, just Bill, just period, just throw in a period. A little behind okay. the
0: scenes for everybody. Uh when I start talking, I close my eyes so I don't have to pick up on any of those visual cues. I yeah, just
2: keep going as long that. as I
1: want. Yeah, we know.
2: Um, let's see what else about this episode. Um how how is it how convenient is it that the one person who knows how to pick up a weapon and fire it just happens to be the girl, you know, the like the lady who has befriended the Mando and her, and his companions.
1: Oh, you know that—that that I didn't terribly mind. Uh, you know because it got it. We had. And she's good too. Character.
2: Yeah, she's like really good. Yeah. ting, pating. ting, pating. She's. Oh, it. I'm yeah. sorry.
1: I was thinking about the mercenary.
2: No. Uh. uh yeah. The, no. I'm talking uh, about the, the girl. Woman. The yeah. the mother, the widowed mother who who lives on this in this on this farm. She Jeez. has a past. Yeah. Dune says anybody can hear her shoot, and she like raises her hand like I can. And then it goes down that stereotypical shot of going down the line of everybody shooting and everybody's missing, and then it gets to the one character who's like a sharpshooter, paching, 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 paching. I just, I don't know. It just felt silly. Yeah, I didn't and then hate they, and this episode. Get I don't want people to think I hated that, it. They get progressively yeah. better within that,
1: you know, one minute montage. It's just like, yeah.
2: So the episode ends with they're all chilling, maxing, and relaxing playing b-ball outside of the school. I'm sorry, I got crossed over into Fresh Prince of Bel-Air right there, but, um, <laughs> you know, uh, the uh, the the child is playing with the kids, and then from the trees, somebody takes a shot at the child. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, crap. It, why can't we have any... This is why we can't have anything nice. I think right. that's the Mandalorian said that out loud. So, um, Dune circles around and kills the guy from behind, and then we realize... Uh, the Mandalorian's not gonna hang out here. He's got to take off.
0: Well, then they take off his mask and realize it was old man McGillicuddy the whole time.
2: You dang kids! Right. Anything else about Episode Four?
0: Dang kids are gonna ruin everything.
2: Yeah, yeah, good. Okay, standalone. It was fine. Yeah. Yeah, I really do like thinking of it as the interlude of the um, of the the series, the season. Okay. Well, let's, again, we're at the 50, five, 0 minute mark. This is kind of nice, fitting into a, a nice, short, um, spaced-out uh, episode. I mean, like, these episodes are spaced out over a few weeks. I'm, I'm really digging this, so let's wrap this one up. We'll get into episodes 5 and 6, at least, uh, in next week's episode. half mean, right. right.
0: jeez, 55 minutes, that's like a sigh. for me.
2: There you go. <laughs> well?
1: Uh, well, Thank you very much for listening to a half hour wasted, the last commercial free podcast on the internet. Uh, we'll see you next week where we continue our wonderful discussion of The Mandalorian. And drop us an email at halfhourwasted at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Just just tell us what you're up to and and how you're dealing with uh, with this whole quarantine business. And uh, or follow us on or at half hour wasted on Twitter. Till next week. I'm Frank i'm brad i'm bill man and Dude. we'll see you next time on half hour Weekly. Hey.
0: cat wait brad we didn't talk about cats